You're listening to the Elmira Radio Hour, a podcast that opens the door to culture and news you definitely missed this week. We're, we're your, your hosts, host, Nina Bhattacharya and Sheila Lal. This week, we're talking about playing the long game in activism, organizing within the South Asian community, bringing you an update from the Trump of Southeast Asia, and talking about how we're taking care of ourselves or not. <laughs> So I hear that your mom is making a lot of pussy hats. What is she doing with the ones? She gave me two of them already. I now currently have three and I'm not going to wear them outside. So you have one for, you're getting to the point where you could have one for every day of the week. I could, and they're all different shades of pink. Every day could be Wednesday. <laughs> every. <laughs> this is true. You are ready. Millennial <laughs> joke. <laughs> um, and it is quite warm, so it's a good indoor hat. Is there a way to like tuck it in or pin it so it looks less cat-like? No. You know, it just kind of looks like people are wearing a bag on their heads. To be honest, I don't. I don't find them particularly uh, aesthetically pleasing. But I do like the idea that someone was like, "Yo, we need to invest in craftivism." Yeah, yes. like there's so many ways artists and crafters can be part of the revolution. And, you know, pussy yeah. hats are a rather kind of problematic way. Yes. Kind, kind of transphobic. Kind of transphobic. By yeah. kind of like, you know, actually trans. Definitely. Definitely transphobic. <laughs> yeah. But at least it's like pushing this conversation where people are thinking like, okay, these are the skills I have. What can I do with them? Mm-hmm. A good example yeah. I saw yesterday was like, I love this blog called Design Sponge by Grace Bonnie. Mm-hmm. It's like this amazing space where she highlights design from all over the country and has Mm -hmm. really like made it an intention of her large blogging platform and social media presence to highlight artists and designers of color um, and also like queer folk. Um, You're not losing this like design content, which like people want, but you're like acknowledging Mm -hmm. that we, we live in this reality. I feel like one of the really super frustrating things has been, I love me a good lifestyle blog, but like when they don't acknowledge that the world is shit in some way, I'm like, you're in a white bubble. Typically these people are white. So like, it's really refreshing to see Mm -hmm. a woman talk about her experience, like getting involved in her food pantry with her wife who is a woman of color, and how they're getting Mm -hmm. involved in local grassroots organizations. And they're thinking about like how to use their skills in social media to amplify the reach of the food pantry program. And they also Mm -hmm. made this video about eight ways to be an ally Mm -hmm. to refugees and immigrants. And they Mm -hmm. collaborated with an illustrator. And that's also a really good example, like illustrators taking on projects that are more social change oriented, but like add... Yeah. an aesthetic value 
to these causes and then like they also consulted with international refugee yeah. committee which i thought was wise to like not assume that they know how to be an ally on these topics and like seeking out the guidance and tips from experts i'm thinking about um when you're bringing that up like how for instance there are certain tattoo artists who will do benefits so like once a month they'll offer different tattoos and the proceeds will go to a certain organization or a cause um or the local sewing uh, sewing store uh, in Colombia is doing this thing for Valentine's Day where you can like make lingerie That's and the awesome. proceeds are going to go to refugees. You can like, integrate your like small business into social change. And when you're talking about using your technical or artistic skills for social change, something I think is really mm-hmm. important is um, diffusing information in a really accessible way. So for instance, like um, yeah, what's the difference between federal and state government and how do those processes work? And I think having like one minute Mm -hmm. videos, like your tinkering video, but um, like a one to five minute video in that frame really helps people understand where they can inject themselves Mm -hmm. and where they can um, maximize Mm -hmm. their energy because it is a really tiring time. And I think that's really cool to think about that intersection of So have people found daily action to be helpful? Like I've heard of it. Do you know anyone using it? No, I actually don't. Um, But I think people are still working out their own methods for instance i something that i do like pretty frequently is i'll put up who i've called and on what issue and that a lot of the people in my vicinity use have been using that um and i've had multiple people in the last week like probably 10 or 15 people thank me for doing that i'm like this is part of the job this is how i've created my role um or like my actual four pay job is pivoting from just Mm -hmm. understanding policy to educating on policy because what's the Mm -hmm. point in being a gatekeeper this and so I think that that's been helpful from like my hyper local community, but I've seen the five calls a day have been helpful. And I've seen um, like what the fuck happened website mm-hmm. has been really helpful for people to kind of get a rundown of what is happening in the executive branch, what's happening in the legislative branch and what that's we awesome. do moving forward. And daily action, by the way, um, is it you submit your phone number and they'll text you a thing you can do mm-hmm. that day because it is yeah. really difficult to sift through all of the things that are going on prioritize what is most important and that part of that is a very personal decision but I'm curious how you've been navigating that like how do you balance like taking care of yourself and um, selecting which event you will go to which ones you're going to say no to because there's like you know here um, there's something going on Mm -hmm. every every day now like um yeah i noticed like well you can't like there's certain mundane deadlines of being a graduate student that a lot of people have to face so what are some rules of thumbs that you use because i'm in a smaller location we don't have as many protests but and i and i don't really have the bandwidth right now to go to all the local organizing meetings Mm -hmm. um nor is that my role uh right now so i think that how i've been able to at least in the last week and a half like be able to create a semblance of normalcy and how i engage is uh oddly enough luckily the Mm -hmm, missouri legislature mm -hmm. is still very predictable (laughs) and they're ramming through things that are really dangerous but we understand how it's going to happen so we're not caught off guard um and so that level of predictability Mm -hmm. has helped kind of stabilize my day-to-day by being able to communicate that to other people in missouri it allows me to feel a little bit more reassured (laughs) especially with what's happening in DC. And so I go ahead and do my daily phone calls. I find like two or three things that really irritate me. I end up messaging. Mm -hmm. And then if people ask, I message out to them too, so they can make their calls. 
right now what we're seeing with this massive form of resistance and also just like anger and frustration is that a lot of people are going to public spaces and I don't feel the need to take up that space um, right, and right. nobody expects me to be at those events. Another strategy, I was talking to our friend Amulia because we now have class together. Oh, so jealous. <laughs> about the strategies we've been taking to navigate our energies mm-hmm. and devote our energies. One way she's been handling it has been focusing on getting really involved in one or two grassroots committees that are in the area and testing it out for the next four months to see like, is this sustainable? And I think that's a really nice idea. It's, you know, building community among a group of people you might not have met otherwise. Mm -hmm. Sometimes rallies and protests feel a little disparate from each other. And like figuring out what to do next can be really challenging. You know, like there doesn't feel like there's a, a thread that links them together to the bigger picture I think it's really cool for people to feel like they are slowly learning how to be an expert in this like one topic area that they that they really care about but I will say rallies are really really nice in terms of like feeling community so yesterday I went to a Somerville Sanctuary Mm -hmm. City rally Um, it was the 30th anniversary of the city being a sanctuary city which I had no idea and there were so many yeah. babies, there were so many puppies, there was a giant drum, screen printing activities happening. And it was happening in front of the Somerville High School. Mm-hmm. And they had like 10 different students, immigrant students, refugee students, share like their story. So it was really cool to center the voices who are affected. And I was like, I was really impressed yeah. by the Somerville city government for doing that. And it, mm-hmm. it made me feel good. I was like, it gave me motivation um, for the rest of the week. So I think that's the benefit. For sure. Recently, we've had a lot of Save the ACA rallies. And my friend Brianna, who I've spoken about multiple times on mm-hmm. this podcast because mm-hmm. I canvassed for her pretty hard uh, this past year, her husband has been really proactive and really visible in Save ACA work. Um, and he's a software engineer, but their son was mm-hmm. born with uh, a pre-existing condition. You know, luckily they had really good health insurance, and so they were able to uh, address that. And he's healthy now, but you never know what happens. So uh, her husband has been really really vocal and really like out there and radical almost in how he goes about talking about these issues and it's really inspiring to see that people i am friends with being leaders in these policy areas i know this is like really mind-blowing to me um that this columbia public schools are being loud about betsy devos thank the gods the superintendent has been tweeting about it. He's like come out in public saying like, we do not want her as secretary of education. Um, there's going to be a march with CPS teachers. That is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. I'm glad like yeah. teaching is an inherently political act and people don't think so. Like I love also how like a lot of alum from DeVos's college, from Calvin College, um, pulled together a letter against her. And I think it's actually kind of, messed up that they're holding her hearing before sessions hearing Mm -hmm. because or the vote because they want to make sure that he's there and he's not like an absent senator that's that's fucked up and also i really hope that there's this this much outrage against sessions too Mm -hmm. there's been i think it's interesting that there's been so much focus on just her when i'm like tillerson is equally as bad sessions is even worse yeah no I just had a moment where everything froze up inside. (laughs) As I was was saying it. (laughs) I was like, I was like, 
<laughs> thinking about the immensity of all of the problems. So you just posted um, that House bill that is going up into committee um, and, and, and at the federal level. And okay, so for clarification, today is Sunday, February fifth, that we're recording. Anything can happen in the time when <laughs> Sheila and I post the edited version of this. So for context, today a representative from Florida. Um, introduced a bill that would terminate the Environmental Protection Agency. Okay, she loves. What up? Okay, not with that. Yes. So that um, you posted that bill, and it got me thinking about how I know process for my state legislature, but I don't actually understand how it works at the federal level. Like, I don't have like a tracker system, and there's so many bills that I couldn't possibly have one. And I'm wondering if you know of any resources that can like email me once a day or like twice a day with how bills are moving and what bills are important to me and where I can call. Um, and if you don't, like, I wonder if anybody else does. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm sure something like this exists. What I will say that I think is really useful that I, in our activism we haven't thought about as much is house committees and thinking about mm -hmm. house committees. Um, so... I, I at first thought it just went to one house committee, the science, space, and technology. Mm -hmm. Actually went to four house committees. Um, wow. Technology and infrastructure, agriculture, oh, energy and commerce. It is really helpful to see who, like, who are the type of people on these committees? What is the balance of Republicans and Democrats? Who is the ranking member from each side? And also that, and then that gives you a tool and something to say when you're calling Congress people who aren't your congressperson. Since today's a Sunday, I can leave voicemails, which is really great because I often have yes. phone anxiety. So I'm going to sit down. I'm going to do my calls to all four of the committees if I can. Um, and I'm going to say, like, I'm, I'm calling because you are a member of the House Committee on Science, Space, and Technology. You know, and like, and that provides a context yeah. of like, I'm not just someone who's calling to say vote against this. Yeah. I'm saying because like you have a role that is also serving me and representing me beyond your mm -hmm. congressional district. Please pay attention. People should like look at their local NPR news coverage. Um because Michigan Public Radio had a really nice map of where each congressperson from Michigan um, stood on the Muslim ban. And mm -hmm. one thing that really surprised me is that like Michigan's 11th district, which is Republican, um, held, has one of the densest populations of South Asians in Michigan. Mm. Like... All of the cities there, Northville, West Bloomfield, Bloomfield Hills, Novi, Troy. These are like yeah. where all of the people I went to college with came from <laughs> at University of Michigan. Ah. Like so many brown people live there. <laughs> and it's so <laughs> to me to see that like um, Representative Trot or whatever his face is from the 11th district is strongly supportive of the Muslim ban. Which, mm -hmm. you know, tangentially affects all brown people because we are often yep. racially profiled. What? Because apparently <laughs> we still haven't internalized this since 9-11. Right. Um, but, like, there's literally no excuse why people I went to college with aren't mobilizing their aunties and uncles. And, like, for this reason, I'm almost glad that Trump brought in the H-1B visa into the situation because it impacts Indian companies, Indian workers... 
and maybe it will help people within our community to think beyond their Islamophobic tendencies and money um, to be like, okay, maybe, maybe I should call. (laughs) Maybe I should do something about this. It's like really shameful. Something that you and I have talked about, especially with regards to like our parents is how do we integrate aunties and uncles into the process and how do we enable them and uh, embolden them to participate in civic engagement. So can you talk about what you were doing at um, the local temple? Or like what? <laughs> what I'm trying to yeah, do. Yeah, okay. Still working yes. on it. I'm just saying yeah. what you are doing. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm being yeah. optimistic. I believe in you, Shields. So I'm trying to like utilize. Thank you. I'm going to keep following up until they're like, we get it. <laughs> we'll do this. Um, so I'm trying to in, trying to create a space in our local Hindu temple to um, engage aunties and uncles with the political process. And I'm trying... The way I framed it is it doesn't have to be partisan. It's just a re- legislative rundown of what's happening and how it impacts you, it impacts you, especially with our massive budget cuts and how to engage with the Missouri process. And then also acting as like, I understand that because I am like the only that I act as a space, like a, a, a buffer a little bit, like a healthy buffer. Like you can go to me to feel like you're part of the process and you're not having to broach the gap mm-hmm. all the way. And I emailed people at the temple and they emailed me back and they're after two weeks and they're like, uh, we don't know how this fits in with our mission. And I was like, I think it fits in 100% with the mission of education and service. And they have yet to email me back. So Yeah, I mean, from this Hindu American's take, I feel like if you believe in this idea of knowledge is power in the context of mm-hmm. Hinduism... And that learning is and service is integral. And one way to do that is learning about your community and learning how to serve it. And that like there's yeah. so many Yeah, I think I really, really hope this happens for you because like Me too. You can give them the tools to like have conversations on their own. And yeah. and just lower the pressure. Exactly. And I think it's really important that people feel empowered with knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that service doesn't just look like helping charities or um, helping the, like, having, like, a fundraiser. It isn't the, you can be in the guise or in the form of having political power to help those who can't do it themselves. Um, And also, like, as is constantly said, like, all of our liberations are tied together. And when we don't, when our community, like, South Asian Hindu community doesn't take those steps forward, we will get screwed over in the end. We want to thank Kohen Orgasm out of Oakland for letting us showcase her song, Azadi is Freedom is Fate. She sings in Hindi and English and channels a cool synth-pop shoegaze ethereal feel that is moving the culture in a new direction. I had a chance to see her perform live when I was out in Oakland last month, and her sound stays authentic. You can read about her work in Rookie Mag, and they interviewed her after the video for Azadia's Freedom is Fate dropped, and check out her full EP on Bandcamp.
have an update about our favorite yeah. despotic uh, president. I mean, uh, there's so many right now. Like, I know who you're talking about, uh, but I'm also are like, you so hard to pick? One? There's so many, but um, <laughs> our favorite Trump of Southeast Asia, which we called here first, Rodrigo Duterte. Things are getting even crazier. I feel like we need to have a Duterte watch on Elmira Radio Hour. Every couple of weeks, we give you just update you on the ridiculous shenanigans that he's up to. And I guess shenanigans downplays the actual ridiculous horror of his regime. But okay, so yeah, this update is that the Duterte is uh, threatening Maoist rebels after peace talks collapse. Um, and it's an insurgency that began in the 1960s and has claimed more than 40,000 lives in general. Um, and Duterte told reporters, it seems to me that these terrorists want another 50 years of war, of killing Filipinos. I don't want a bloody thing, but if they choose to do it, fine. With my lifting of the ceasefire, they can begin their attacks and we are prepared and I will use the assets. We have so many planes now. We have jets. I will drop all. By all, he means the bombs. So what is really awesome about this statement is that Duterte is conveniently forgetting the fact that he's been condoning the murders of anyone who's perceived to be a drug user or a drug dealer. Which, by the way, is more yeah. complicated because a month ago or so, he prevented um, he prevented the police force from enforcing his anti-drug campaign after police officers killed a South Korean businessman involved in a drug anti-drug fight. So, like, that is a thing. What? And then he's, like, saying that... He would enlist the military to support the crackdown rather than the police force. So let's just say things are like kind of messy. And he's trying to incite a civil war is what it sounds like. Seriously, dude, you condoned the murders of thousands of your own citizens and you're calling out rebels for a bloody battle ahead. Like, I mean. But also on top (laughs) of that, he's like, come at me, bro. That's like the tone of that message. I know. I know. I just had to update you. I was like, oh, Sheila's going to... Because sometimes I idly Google him just to see what the latest news is. <laughs> Sorry. Just keeping my eye out on yeah. you, Rodrigo. I'm the one woman anti-Duterte watch from Boston. <laughs> Boston. <laughs> yeah, you can just imagine me furiously sitting at my computer... Duterte, what are you up to? <laughs> Trolling Tagalog Twitter. Like, anyway, enough on that. Uh, so that's my global update for you. Uh, yeah. That's that's peak. That's great. Um, I have a public health update for you. <laughs> um, so you know how we have a almost $500 million uh, budget crisis right now. Um, the governor released his budget three weeks late or almost four weeks late and in it he cut all the funding for healthcare workers so first of all he did all these budget withholds and you have 10 days to actually implement them and he never did 
Mm. He's so new to government, he doesn't understand the state constitution where it says you have 10 days. So that just like reiterated the crisis that we're currently going through. And then he he did his proposed budget on Thursday. Part of it was cutting healthcare, all funding for healthcare workers who are um, state employees. And then on top of that, cut money to programs that would impact 20,000 low-income disabled Missourians. <sighs> yeah, it's super cool. It's super great. It speaks to this problem that people don't really understand what public health does. Yes, very shitty and dumb budget thing. But in general, I don't think people understand that public health is integral for their health? Question mark? Mm-hmm. It's just like, these are the things that prevent Flint water crises, strong public health systems. It makes sure that infectious diseases don't spread. It means when like salmonella is in your peanut butter or whatever, people know about it. That's cool, Missouri. So that's happening here. Oh, we are getting 11 million from the 21st Century Cures Act to help with like opioid prevention. That's really cool. So they actually prevention. took the money? Yeah, it's in our budget. The, the... I would just like to reiterate that Missouri for, you know, they, they actually took government money. Mm. I love that it was a Republican governor who took government money or federal money when we spent the last six years not taking federal money for Medicaid expansion. Well, there's a difference between poor people and then white people with drug addictions. That is very true. <laughs> Two, like, completely different subsets. Uh, no crossover. Um, I was emailing a friend of mine who's currently at mm-hmm. Ross and asking about the health insurance situation. I was just like, hey, like, what did you use? Because going through Michigan is actually really expensive or going through the school. And she was like, oh, I bought into the exchange. And I was like, fuck. Like, I don't know if that's going to exist by the time I start school. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, hopefully it does. Like, I'm holding out hope that the Republicans aren't as stupid as they're acting and decide not to replace or not to repeal but it's just, it's very nerve wracking. They also put small businesses in like a kind of confusing spot because there isn't, there is such mm-hmm. a lack of clarity of whether an attempted repeal or a replacement is going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. I've read a couple of things with small business owners who are like, we don't know how to prepare for 2018 or like 2019 and yeah. participate in the markets, which I thought was an interesting point. Something that I've been talking about when I call Senator Blunt's office is accepting policies that. Um, will deregulate our financial industries and that don't provide healthcare protections for Mm -hmm. everyone is just fundamentally anti-millennial. And I just highlight that when you and I were starting school or undergrad, the markets had crashed and we lost like years of earned income Mm -hmm. because of that. Mm -hmm. Here I am and like here, like a bunch of people our age are starting or like they're in the process of grad school, either applying, attending or uh, finishing. And we're still facing the same problem. So it's like you actively don't want our generation to succeed. I completely agree. I also don't think Blunt really cares. No, he doesn't. Uh, no, he only won by three points. That was the closest election in the entire state. And he thinks he has a mandate. Mm-mm. We're in a state where I'm in a state that Trump won by 19 points. Blunt only won by three. There's He doesn't have a mandate. And when you are ignoring the people who are calling you, when you come out in support of Betsy DeVos... And then you put it on Facebook and 10,000 people comment saying, what the fuck, dude? You need to reevaluate how you're treating your constituents. Everyone could use a deep reflection at this point, particularly our uh, legislatures. (laughs) 
I was gonna ask you if you've like read anything interesting or how you're like feeling some semblance of normal Nina. Um, I haven't been well one is to just like outright say that I have not been feeling very normal for at least the past month or so and particularly after like mm-hmm. with school starting again it is made uh, I mean there's normalcy in the fact that there's classes and work to be done and dance and things like that but um mm-hmm. no sort of normalcy because it's juxtaposed against like just real fucked up nonsense and policy in this world so I it's been hard to put my head down and actually do work and focus on it in a meaningful way even though I know it has purpose and it connects to like social justice things Mm -hmm. and stuff that I care about um uh what self-care things I've read that have really helped I just checking out books from the library and keeping them on my end table so I can read them before I go to bed and then read them first thing in the morning for like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I read cover to cover that I super loved was How to Be in a Person in the World by Heather Havrilsky. Um, some people might know the Ask Polly column um, that used to be on The All, but I think is now on New York Magazine, but don't quote me on that. It's a collection of these Ask Polly letters, and they deal with very existential things. And... Um, her responses are very no-nonsense, um, but full of empathy, like acknowledging that the fucked upness mm-hmm. that comes with life, but how to navigate that. And granted, obviously, I don't relate to every single problem that was in those letters, but it was it just felt good. Like, I, I don't know. It's just I needed something. <laughs> like, I feel like a lot of my friends and I have been reading horoscopes and stuff more often like shani nicholas or like uh, i also am a Mm -hmm. fan of madame clairvoyant um it's just like stuff that is has this some sort of hope attached to it like that acknowledges that like even though things are bad things can be good or will be good so another book i read was starting to read didn't quite finish Mm -hmm. yet was all the single ladies by rebecca traster and that really Uh powerfully talks about um, the economic and social justice, po- economic social justice and voting power that single women have had in this country, um, both in pushing the civil rights movement, um, uh, suffrage, among other things, and also acknowledging that like the benefits of singleness were not always um, experienced mm-hmm. by women of color. Like so, you know, the demonization of the single mm-hmm. black mom. Um, Versus the, the, you know, perceived empowerment of the, the white feminist living alone in this, you know, living alone in New York City, a la Sex in the City. So that was really cool what I read of it so far. And I would highly recommend yeah. it to anyone who's looking for a book that centers women, but and like acknowledges the how race plays a huge role and how singleness is experienced. How about you? Are you reading anything? Or listening to anything? I am trying to create space for myself on like Friday nights where it's mm-hmm. Friday or Saturday nights where it's just me time. Um, so I am um, last night I finished reading a book called The Silence and the Roar, which is by a Syrian author. And it's a just it's like takes place in a dystopian authoritarian society. But you never quite figure out mm-hmm. what cultural mm-hmm. context it's in, which I really liked. Um, so it's like this ambivalent brown context and it's set in like 36 hours and 
it just kind of explores how authoritarianism impacts every single part of this man's life or the narrator's life. It was oddly refreshing to feel like I, like collectively, we're not actually being gaslit. Like we are, the way that we are perceiving mm-hmm. the world is accurate because it's been described in so many other like literary forms. Um, and I got this book off of a, a lit hub listserv. Or, so I'm on the lit hub email list and it's a website mm-hmm. that, is devoted to literature which i find to be really refreshing like it's one of the first emails i open up in the morning but they had a listicle of 15 books um by and for or by and about that 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 was really awesome that was really really awesome this is one of the books and so that's like something that i'm trying to uh get through or like i'll request books from that list at my public library um so even if i'm not reading them right now like they'll be there hopefully and other people can tap into that resource I also, I don't know why I didn't know about this podcast before, but I downloaded a lot of episodes from New York Public Library's podcast. Oh, so good. And so my, good. And I, ha- I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet because I my Stitcher is really full. Um, but I am really excited. The Gateway uh, interview that led me to the podcast was um, Toni Morrison and Angela yes. Davis. Yes. So I'm really excited to listen to that episode. Um, I did get to see Angela Davis uh, for uh, University of Missouri's Martin Luther King uh, Jr. celebration, uh, a keynote speaker series. And it was like a really like it was a good time to like reflect on where like my radical feminism is and realize that like I'm pretty in line with her. So I wasn't like it was good just to like be reminded that I'm my feminism has a place and I'm doing the work like around it my mom came with me what was her reaction so, um so this was really great so it was Kristen, my mom me and brianna mm-hmm. um so you have this like very diverse set of women who care about politics in mid-missouri just sitting together and at one point angela davis used the word heteropatriarchy and my mom turns towards me she's like what does that mean and i go you have a phone you can look that up and 20 minutes later i saw her on her phone looking it up that is fantastic. It's like, okay, it's awesome. Fantastic. Like, you're engaging really, with this. Really, really cool. Yeah. And like, yeah. I think it's really important for people who often are taught that their opinions and worldviews are less valid, have opportunities and spaces where mm-hmm. they are affirmed in some way. So I'm glad that people had that experience because like if you don't yeah. get anything yeah. back like if you're just pouring in all of yeah. your energy and there's like no like soul nurturing stuff there like it gets pretty bleak like it's hard mm-hmm. to continue to want to do the work um so that's that's yeah. really cool that you got to see angela davis speak i'm hoping to see bobby seal speak next week work-wise i was not expecting this to happen but the podcast uh, heads up missouri that i'm moderating and producing for the women legislators mm-hmm. has been such a delight like not only is like recording with them good and like debriefing about different policy things but then we just gossip afterwards mm-hmm. off mic um but being able to gossip with them or like hear senators talk to representatives or even uh the different representatives talking to each other amongst like what's happened in their committees or like different senators talking about what's happened in their committees it's so uplifting like everyone is 
everyone talks about like their little forms of resistance and like how sometimes they can be petty and I'm like oh shit this is amazing um like I get to hear this and I feel like I'm creating like a real relationship with these five women in a way that um validates my good work stress I know work has been really kind of taking an emotional yeah taking up a lot of emotional labor and space for you you you've like thrived and survived and flourished um since coming back from Sri Lanka and like honestly Uh. you know it's actually true you you committed to being in Missouri for x number of years and you're you did it you're doing it the work you're doing is important people wouldn't know this much about Missouri if not for you so those are things that have been really um keeping me going uh especially in the last couple of weeks um and then I'm getting back into running again so I did a 5k yesterday Mm -hmm. and set a PR so I'm pretty proud of myself uh ran a nine minute mile on a hilly course yay yeah congrats thanks what else? I've been having a really close relationship with my foam roller. Ooh, um, yes. High density foam roller. You can get a really nice one for like probably 20, 23 bucks. Um, like a really good one. And every day before I go to bed or when I wake up in the morning, I try to roll out the muscles in my back because one, being a student really sucks and mm-hmm. having big boobs also sucks the world also sort of sucks so it like it helps kind of iron out those those knots mm-hmm. and just like provide immediate anxiety relief yeah i use a lot of essential oils i'm a big fan of my lavender pillow spray Signature i'm a big fan pillow spray. i'm a very big she fan was of laughing <laughs> cosign <laughs> She loves laughing because whenever she's visited me here, <laughs> she's got to experience it firsthand. Yeah. This is like not necessarily self-care. This is kind of like capitalist self-care. Is um, uh, So my roommate's partner got us a milk frother. Ooh, yes, I have one of those. It's the best. It has upped my coffee game so much. Like I'm finally opening this Africa Cafe um that I have had from Tanzania this summer um and like at doing it kind of desi style with like warm milk and sugar and then frothing the yes. hell out of it and one it's a pleasurable experience using this tiny device to froth something but also it's really nice when you have good coffee mm-hmm. too that you make it and then you can top it off with foam which also helps me not spend as much Mm-hmm. buying coffee even though sometimes I just do that because I like to study in yep. coffee shops because I'm a big ambiance aesthetic yep. person I like sitting in pretty places doing yep. my work so but milk frother so good we also got a decided to get a blender and that has like <gasps> yes. also upped the game yes. of my world because I had like two spoonfuls of peanut butter chocolate ice cream in the freezer yesterday and I like had a banana I'm like this can be something. And so, like, I made myself a peanut butter chocolate banana milkshake last night. And it was so good. God, that does so sound that, really that's good. that's my self-care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, like, my culinary self-care. Which, I mean, we've talked about this before. Like, in one of our very first episodes when we were dishing out recipes. Yeah. Um, is that cooking is such a form of taking mm-hmm. care of yourself. Yeah. I think we finally recorded a full we episode did. together, Sheila, yeah. after like a really long um, time. <laughs> also, it doesn't help that my computer died in the process. But we're back up, and I'm really yes. glad that we got to talk about things we're that are positive after these last few weeks of insanity. 
Oh yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, like we can't talk just about the depressing stuff. So we really hope that this helped somebody out there. And if you want to engage with us, you can on the internet. My Twitter handle is at Queen of Blah. And you can find me at only Nina. And another stress tip I recommend is getting yourself a plant because taking care of a plant forces you to be present. And greenery is really good on your yes. eyes. So that is my last like sneaky. I'll probably, I'll probably go do that too. Okay. <laughs> you can find the podcast online at almiraradio.tumblr.com, SoundCloud, same place. And you can hit us up on Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter at Almira yeah. Radio. Yeah.